0: And with that being said, let's go ahead and
1: get started. Hey guys, in today's episode, you're going to learn from Scott Ruick, who's one of the smartest guys in the world of e-com with over two decades of industry experience and over $300 million in online sales under his belt. You'll learn how to turn your freelancing efforts into a hugely profitable career. Stuff you'll be learning includes the number one quality top clients want in a freelancer. If you don't have this, it can be an immediate turnoff. The ethical bribe approach to get your dream clients attention and increase your chances of landing a gig when you're first starting out as a freelancer. The quickest way to get a reply when following up with a prospect. By the way, if you want to be the next person to be featured in an episode of The Road to a Billion and get your questions answered, you can join Stefan's email list to get the registration link for future shows, plus a lot of other updates and opportunities you won't find anywhere else. Just go to stefanpaulgeorgi.com slash subscribe. Stefan. S T E F A N Paul Georgia G E O R G I dot com slash subscribe, and make sure you hit the subscribe button to get notified about new episodes the moment they're released. I hope you enjoy.
2: So I'm going to ask a question here from uh, Dammy. Cool. So Dammy asks. I'm going to summarize it. We talked about this last time, Stefan. Right. Uh, so basically he wants to know about the, the differences between copywriters that you hire and don't hire. So we're gonna let Dammy come on. He's going to expand on his question and then we'll get your response. Uh, Stefan. Maybe co-host. Yeah. I'm co-host. For some reason I'm not allowed to unmute Dammy. I'm really? the
0: What the F let me see if I can find, uh, I'll find Dammy allow yeah, allow to talk. I wonder if it's like a new setting. I just hit it. a lot of talk. Try now. Any luck? No. That's bizarre. Let me try. Okay, answer live. And then try now. Nope. I wonder if it's a Zoom glitch or something. Here, I was so excited to. Uh...
2: I know it was, it was such a good question too.
0: Well, we can still answer, Danny, I'm sorry. Then I guess for now we'll. We'll answer it. So go ahead and read this question, then. Sure. And Then Scott and I will we'll answer it.
2: You got it. As someone who has hired a lot of copywriters, what's the one thing you found that differentiates those that end up working with you for a long time and those you don't ever want to work with again?
3: Um, I can answer that, Stefan. I yeah. mean, for, for me, it's um, it sounds so basic, but are they easy to work with? Like I maybe at my advanced age, right? I'm fifty something, but like <laughs> I pay particular attention to how easy it is to work with somebody. Um, and if there's a moment where it becomes difficult too early on, I run because I think that's just the bellwether for problems down the road. Like I think a lot of copywriters will come in with their demands and this is what I want and I want 3% of gross and I want this big fee and blah, 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 and and that is an immediate turnoff to me. Um, So I, I think it's like those that deliver value first and then, you know, maybe get paid later. But I think just ease of use, there are people that are just easy to work with that make me smile, that, that it's just easy. You know, like I, I'm, I'm raising a five-year-old boy. That's hard. They have demands. They, they're, they're hard to work with sometimes. So my, I'm full up on difficult people. Um, so if you're easy to work with, if you're kind, if you're, um, Generous. I care less about who you've written for. I care less about your your credentials Um, So that's probably the I guess one way to think about it
0: Yeah, that's I think that's a great answer and um It's simple, but it makes sense I mean I feel the same way if somebody's like a like a diva someone put Sam Novak said, you know diva free zone Um, But like, you know, I completely agree with that. Um This is very rarely worth it. Like they talk about like in a sales organization. It's like oh your best you know, sales guy, like our girl, like you, you're going to give them like a more leeway. And I think that's true to within reason, but even there, you're like, you hear about all the time, somebody who's like a really big asset to a company, but they become like the, the, the headache of having to like cater to them. Like it becomes, it outweighs like the benefit that they're bringing to the organization. And you're like, all right, like I just, you know, you cut them free. Um, so yeah. Ed, um, I know, or go ahead, Scott. Sorry. I
3: was gonna say, I mean, yeah, in a. You, you never want to be key man dependent right like or key woman dependent um but you never want to have a single point of failure or a single person in your company hold the reins to the success or failure of your company so um eliminating key man dependency in for the management team from a copy perspective is really important so you're right uh the divas you know in copy i could think of a couple but i won't name them i just man i just life's too short dude like i just want to you know, make money, work with great people, and go home and play with my kids. I don't. Yeah, whatever. Sam said, "Diva free zone" is a is a big one for me. Um, yeah. So.
0: Makes sense. Cool. Uh, cool. Who who we got. Mark, we got next? Mark
2: Mark Lamont says, "As a business owner, what's the best way a copywriter has approached you directly for a chance to work together?"
0: There we go. Oh, nice. Wait, wait. We got Mark on this one. We were able to have. Uh, for some reason, Dammy just got screwed, but. What's up, Mark? How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks. How are you?
0: Good. Oh good man. Um. So in that case, I know uh, i kind of read the question, but you're, you're curious about from for for Scott as far as when a copywriter has approached, you know, him trying to work with him. Like, what was sort of the best? What are some of the best approaches you've seen, or how are they? You know, what made them successful, right?
2: Yeah, pretty much. Um, I'm kind of just kind of starting out, trying to branch out on my own as a freelancer. So it was. I
3: think, Art, like an I, I, I think it's about, and this is like, so cliche or what, whatever, I mean, but I think if you can add value first before putting your hand out for cash, that's a huge one. Like I know a lot of copywriters have written like email copy for us and submitted it to us. Like, Hey, I've been through your AR series. Can you try this? I've written the first six for you. Would you see if it beats your control? Like that would definitely get people's attention, right? Like not like, Hey, Um, I'm a copywriter. My fee is 25,000 bucks and I'll write you new stuff. And if it doesn't work well, sorry about that. Like, um, you know, like, so I think it's, you know, if you could, if you could add value first by maybe maybe pointing some things out, like, Hey, I noticed on your landing page, you guys aren't doing an offer bump. Um, and, and I've written an offer bump for you based on what you're, you know, that kind of stuff like is would really get people's attention. When you can add value like that, because I think it creates that um, that dynamic. Like I gave you something; it's an ethical bribe, right? Like I gave you something, now I expect something in return. So that would be a, a big one, I think. Um, and it's 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 a risk on your side because it's your time and effort. But if you're just getting started and you want to make a splash, um, add value first before taking a paycheck.
0: That um, I love hearing that because that's something I, I preach as well. And even that. Um the little, like the grow CNBC article thing I got, I got published today. That was like a lot of what I was advising. Um, but so I love hearing from you. Cause I know it does work. I mean, I did a thing on the Justin seven Talk copy group where I was like, Hey, like, has this worked for anybody? And a lot of people were like, yeah, it's worked. It's not gonna work every time, right? You get like, you're busy. So you get, you know, people sending you emails to do for free. It doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have like the bandwidth to like take them and use them right away, especially if they don't follow up. Um, Mark, I'm gonna ask a follow up question for you to Scott on following up when somebody follows up with you, Scott, and says, Hey, like, you know, I sent you guys these emails, have you had a chance to look, um, do you ever get like annoyed that they're following up or are you like, Oh, like kind of like, or is there a right way and a wrong way to follow up? let Let me phrase it that way.
3: Well, I'm, I'm less annoyed if they've put their best foot forward and taken their time out of their day to create something of value, a potential value to me. Um, and depending on, you know, the organization, how quickly can I get it implemented? I remember, Stephanie, at your event in Vegas, I was just, I sat there mesmerized at the V-Shred guys uh, talking about how they could take copy. And the next day they were getting traffic on it. And then like in two days, they had a control. I was just like, like mind blown, like the the, the the speed at which with which they could implement that stuff was just astounding to me. But no, I'm never annoyed. I mean, um, there's a lot of annoyances out there. And, and again, it's, are you an easy person to work with? Do you have realistic expectations? Like if you email me five times a day, like where's the copy live? Fourth or fifth time, I'm going to probably get pretty annoyed with you. And that, then you put you in that bucket of like difficult person to work with, even though that, that may not be the intention at all. But um, I mean, I think you just have to approach it delicately and, and realize that, you know, your copy may not get into the queue for some period of time um, because there's a gajillion things going on. Um, yeah. so I don't know. Are you easy to work with? Are you cool? That goes pretty far in my book.
0: Cool. Mark, is that helpful?
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yes to all of the above. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, so, so I guess one thing is, is it best to go directly to yourself? Like as the top of the company or would it be better to, to, to try and look for somebody at a lower level who would, who would be more likely to kind of take action or
3: how do you, well, what do you feel to that? It's, it's, I think it's better to go down than up. Um, you know, like if you're the business owner, you can kind of get things pushed through depending on if you really like someone, you can kind of like move everything out of the way to kind of slot them in. It's always, it's, it's always better to go top down than bottom up. Um, but then, you know, it might be more difficult to go top down if you, you know, so I don't know. It's hard to say exactly.
0: I would, I would push for top. I would push from top down though. I mean, when, when possible, cause to your point, like, you know, it's like how many times anyone who's ever been in sales ever, it's like you get rejected, quote unquote, but then you get that you're the right person. And then it like immediately gets pushed through. You know what I mean? Um, totally,
3: totally, totally.
0: So it's better to go higher. it's a pet peeve of mine. I had a, um, we had this recently in the, you know, supplement company that I'm like partnered in and like where we were looking at like another, like kind of, um, like processing CRM solution type thing. And, you know, I was like, hey, um, somebody hit me up and they're like, oh, yeah, like, I know the owner of, like, this, like, company, like, my friend, like, stayed at his, like, chateau in the Swiss Alps or blah, 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 like, you know, like, because, of course, some European, all these European, like, uh, processing people just have chateaus in the Swiss Alps, apparently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, like, it was like, oh, I can, you know, direct you, direct, like, I can connect you directly to the owner. And then I shared that with, like, the person in, in this company. And they're like, well, no, I'm already talking to, like, a rep, so it's fine. And I'm like, dude, no, like, the rep... <laughs> is like here, like the owners here, like you go straight to the owner. That's the owner can right. move mountains for you. The reps like, let me put up the chain of command and hope that like, you know, it all works out. So, you know, but, but I see, I've seen this a lot of times actually where people, maybe it's cause of, it's like a fear intimidation, like talking with the owner seems scary or whatever, but it's like, when you can talk to the owner of a company, like I'd say pretty much always talk to the owner of the company, you know?
3: Right. And I think the other point there is also like talk their language. Like what gets my attention is if I can attach a dollar amount, to the idea, like you know, at Native Path we were selling anywhere between a thousand to fifteen hundred bottles a day of collagen, and so it's question of like what problems do you want to tackle. And so um, I had a manufacturer say, look, I could probably shave off three dollars a jar of collagen, um, and I could also decrease your shipping costs and um, the fulfillment costs would go down. And so. You can quickly do the math and say, "Well, God, if I can save four bucks a, a, a jar of collagen, I'm selling 1,500 units a day. That's six thousand dollars a day. That's eighteen hundred or 180 thousand dollars a month. That gets people's attention. Yeah, like so. If you can, if you can describe the impact of your solution in a dollar amount or a cost savings, I think that's what would get my attention. Is um, those little wins where it's like, if I can increase your whatever your take rate on upsell one by ten percent." I'm gonna surmise that you're doing this volume. it would mean an an additional um you know uh whatever hundred grand a month for you. that kind of stuff gets people's attention so talk talk in language that that is likely to get their attention, yeah, uh, a basic one, I suppose
0: no, I love that no, it's not that basic i, I people are putting it in the chat, but I say like do the math like I talk about it in the context of when you're closing a client or talking about like. Like when I charge $50,000, my whole thing is like, okay, well like, yeah, like I'm 50,000 there's writers who are way cheaper than me. Like, why would you pay me $50,000? It's like, all right, well, first of all, you know, what are you kind of hoping that this new offer is going to gross? And, you know, is it fair to say you want to gross at least a million dollars? Right. And they're like, yeah, I mean, at least a million. Like, all right, cool. And is it fair to say that like your, you know, your profit margin on that's going to be around like 20% and it's almost always like, yeah. Or, or usually it's like, no, it's going to be higher. And you're like, all right, cool. Let's say 20%. Like, so if you gross a million dollars at a 20% profit margin, that's $200,000. You paid me $50,000. That's a 4X ROI on your investment. Um, that's pretty good. And then you're like, but realistically, do you really want to do a million or $10 million? Like, well, I think you could do $10 million. Like, all right, cool. Yeah, it makes sense. 20% margin. That's $2 million. You're paying me $50,000 for the chance at a 40X ROI. If you go to like, if you could put a dollar in the stock market and get $40 back, you would, you know, you would you would mortgage your house and everything to, you know, to put all your money in the stock market. if It was a sure thing. And it's like, I'm not like, you know, am I, is it guaranteed that I'm going to give you the a home run, like offer? Like, no. But if you look at my track record, my experience, like when you hire me, you have a way higher probability um, than when you hire somebody else who doesn't kind of know what they're doing. And so, um, but the thing I've, so I've taught that to others and I think it's really valuable because like, you know, it, it really helps with like that, that pitch. But then, but the thing is you can, you can still do that with like a lower level client too. You charge, you know, um, like $5,000 or even $500 and the guy's trying to, or, or woman's trying to gross like $10,000. It's like, you know, just doing that math and, and kind of what you just said, um, Scott, like, I mean, it's cool hearing it from the business owner's perspective, but I, I, it makes sense. Right. Cause then you're not thinking about like me, the freelancer as a, like a liability or as like, you know, sort of an expense, you're looking at me as like an investment or like an opportunity, an investment opportunity that can yield you an ROI. And it's a total reframe. Um, but a lot of freelancers still will look at themselves as this expense. And then they come from like, like, Oh God, I hope you give me money. And it's like, you know, the guy who's like on a date and like, Oh, I hope she'll kiss me. you know what I mean? It's like, you know, um, you gotta kind of, yeah, I don't know. So.
3: Yeah. I I mean, I admittedly, Stefan, I had this very love hate relationship with copywriters. Um, I'm, I'm, are there copywriters that are willing to invest? Like, let's say it's 50 grand. Are there, are there ones that are willing to like invest, like say, put that 50 grand in escrow and say like, if it hits, you get it. If it doesn't hit, you get zero.
0: I've, I've done that before, um, with, with mixed results to be fair. Um, but I think that's a cool idea. I mean, you have to trust or the client me. obviously. Um, but I mean, what I'll do, I mean, so I just, you know, I, uh, Ed, Ed, Scott and Mike Geary just hired me to do two things and I was like, I'm not going to do any more copy projects, but I, I've never worked with them before. I think it'll be fun. And like, they were super you know easygoing and, and I didn't even, ha- they didn't even ask me to do this, but I told them, I'm like, look, guys, like, um, yeah, by the way, like, I'm going to if it doesn't hit the metrics, it, it's two controls they have. And I was like, if it doesn't beat your controls, like I'm like, you have my word. I'll, I'll, I'll put in writing right here. Like I'll work with you guys to optimize the copy until it at least beats your controls. Cause like, I don't think the controls are that great. And I think, but I'm like, I'm like you, you know, I put it in like the invoice and like, I'm like, I'll put in a contract, whatever you want. Yeah, It's
3: you know? a no brainer, right? Like you right. would, you would do that all day long. That's the thing is if you eliminate the risk for the business owner somehow, or make it like this no lose proposition where it's, yeah, that would get people's attention. We're yeah. always worried about like you know you spend twenty five thousand bucks with somebody and like you just can't beat the control. They're like, well eh, sorry, bro. Like, we tried and you're like, okay, phew, next. Like it's <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. so, I don't know. That's that's cool.
0: Yeah, awesome, man. Cool. Um, so Mark, hopefully that that helped. Uh, and uh, Ed, let's let's go ahead and and go through some more questions here. We'll so
2: see. Isaac. If you previously pitched a lead and gotten no response, how would you reapproach and follow up once your positioning is better?
0: So for that one and I'm guessing this is you know looking clients type thing, um I'd use humor. Like um you and I went through that with, like the freelancer course, so like I looked at somebody who followed up with me like 8 times and um it's like the first couple I ignored and he sent one that I forget what it was. but so the guy was like had like a funny subject line and a funny email. It was kind of self-deprecating and like Hey, it's me again. Like, you know, like, uh, like I know I'm the fucking worst, but anyway, you know, I was like, and I was like, it, it had a bunch of jokes and like it like cracked me up and I, and I, I saw personality. Um, and then I really, uh, was like, ah, oh, you know what? I like this guy. And then I responded and then the guy basically never followed up and closed me, which was crazy. But, um, so there's a lesson how to follow up and then how to not follow up, uh, in, in there. But, but that's the, the short answer for that one.
2: Cool. Next up from Alexis, how can we do with companies who seem a bit sketchy and scammy when they're hiring copywriters? I can share any, uh, no, I can share an experience. There we go. There's a question.
0: So yeah, I saw, um, Alex had sent me an email about this too, which usually I go, but for everyone, you ask questions on here. I don't, I don't take them as an email, but, um, basically, uh, Alex or Alexis said that when we get hired for an agency. They told him the process would be composed of three steps, write an advertorial for $10, write a short form story-based sales letter for $10 in an interview. If I got past the first step, I qualified for the second and so on. I managed to pass all the steps. Can't imagine how happy I was when I got the news. I was even crying. The next day they told me the CMO wanted to have a chat with me, but the conversation never happened. They just sent me an email a few days later that the CMO wanted to do another test. Six post-purchase email sequences, which by the way wasn't paid. and wasn't part of the hiring process. When I completed that test, they never got back to me. I had to chase him and spam the females. So they gave me an answer. And that was, I didn't pass the final test. Um, this knocked me down really hard. I even got into depression. Um, I, I noticed a few edits in my tests, which made me think they're going to use them for their own benefit. I mean, and he's basically asking, you know, what, what can you do when companies don't follow their own hiring processes and don't seem transparent? I mean, I think you gotta use a little experience there and look at red flags. Like I think doing a pay test is like a fair thing for them to do. Um. I mean, ten dollars is not, especially for a sales letter. It's a little yikes, a little yucky. Um, but uh, I mean, I don't know. This seems like some red flags there to me, especially once you with the follow up of doing the creatives. I, I think at a certain point, I would be like, uh, just just say no. I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I know. I understand when you're kind of like desperate for work, but I also feel like I'd just be like. No, like you know, like like I've, I think I've shown you samples. Like me need to have an interview, or I'd, I'd probably move on and like look at other opportunities pretty fast. I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Scott.
3: No, that's about right. I think that's great.
0: Yeah, I just, I just honestly like the answer is like don't, you know? Yeah, you gotta like you gotta move on. All right, that's just about it for today. Before we finish, though, let me share a little bit more about how you can stay in touch with me. I have a private email list where I share high-level tricks, strategies, and insights about copywriting, entrepreneurship, mindset, and more. In fact, often my podcasts are based on topics I first emailed out to my list weeks or even months earlier. So if you want to get brand new stuff from me every single day, go to stephanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. These emails are often upwards of a thousand words, and I send them every day. So make sure you really can commit to engaging with me on that level. But as long as you can, and you should, because I do drop a ton of value in these emails, go apply to join my list today. And again, the web address is stefanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe. And in case you don't know how to spell my name, which is okay, it is S-T-E-F-A-N, Paul, and then my last name is georgi, G-E-O-R-G-I.com. So stefanpaulgeorgi.com forward slash subscribe, and I will see you in my email list.